Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, okay, listen now for the click track, everybody. Uh, and away we go. This is uh, track one. Take one, yeah. One, two, three, four. Sonic Architect Adam Shanahan and this is Before the Encore. It's the final Before the Encore of 2022. What a year it's been. What an amount of amazing guests I've had. Um, and thank you to the listeners of uh, Before the Encore for listening into the to the show. Um, any new listeners of the show, just to give you a, a bit of a brief background as to what we're about here. Um, Before the Encore is a music industry deep dive that focuses on anyone who is essentially not the artist and the whole world that revolves around the music industry outside of that world. Um, to try and just, you know, shed a bit of light on some of the, you know, the darker areas of the music industry that maybe haven't uh, had as much airtime. And yeah, I'm really, really happy to be bringing that to you once a month, every month, on the last Monday of every month. And I'm um, very, very grateful to uh, Dave Hanready and Craig Fitzpatrick and the Encore podcast who um, have kindly given me the uh, given me the reins on this one and given me the platform to be able to, you know, put the, put the info out there. And uh, I certainly hope that some of the info throughout the year has helped people make maybe decisions on, you know, maybe new paths to go down or something new to try and even if it was just a knowledge exercise I hope that you gleaned some info from and this show throughout the year so yeah just once again thank you so much for listening thanks for making this possible Dave and Craig and to you the listener thank you for listening and to all my amazing guests I really just want to say thank you and um, I will be back in 2023 January with uh, a brand new series um, 
plenty more of the same conversations, no doubt. But uh, yeah, lots of new faces, lots of new names. And uh, yeah, I've got some grand plans, but we'll see how they go. I'm going to keep them uh, very much under wraps for now. But um, yeah, thank you very, very much for anyone who's listened. But anyway, let's focus on what's in front of us this month. And this month I have a uh, a guest in the music industry like I do every other month. But um, this time it's uh, my first visual um my first kind of visual representation of the music industry on the podcast. I'm really excited to to speak to my guest this month. And my guest this month is Ruth Medjber. Ruth Medjber is a music and portrait photographer. Um, she ba- she's based in Dublin, but um, you'll see her on her travels and her Instagram all around the country in her camper van, um, whether it be in the west of the country, um, you know, for a couple of days on a retreat or at, uh, as we speak about in the podcast, pretty much every festival that Ireland has to offer in the summertime. Um, whether that happens next year or not now, I think is probably uh, more unlikely. Again, we speak about that later on. But uh, yeah, really, really excited to have Ruth in and just speak about everything kind of visual related from someone who's spent a lot of time at shows and huge shows. You know, um, she's been on international tours with Hosier and Arcade Fire. She's been on, um, she's been on the crew for Glastonbury as a uh, gig photographer and gig photographers for incredible acts over the years. Um, there's just far too many to name. The best bet is to go on to ruthlessimagery.com and uh, check out her work because that speaks more volumes than anything I ever could. Um, while doing my research, I was even trying to find things to, to hone in on, but there was just <laughs> so much Um that I found it very difficult to kind of whittle it down. So we speak about some of the grander things um, and maybe the grander ideas. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed having a conversation with Ruth about how it all links up. And that's how we, that's how we kind of kicked off. So um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ramble on anymore. I have a tendency to do that and do 20 minute intros. But um, the conversation is, um, is lengthy enough and, and, has enough knowledge in it for me to stop here and let you enjoy my conversation with Ruth Medjiber. Ruth, thanks a million for joining me before the encore. My pleasure. Glad to be here. My first visual music based guest. Woo! Um, And honestly, I couldn't think of anyone better to get into it with um, because you are a music and portrait photographer. Uh-huh. Um, probably best known to our listeners for your work live yeah. and your work with um, artists on like the likes of album art and promo shots, all the rest of it. Um, the first question I think I wanted to get stuck into the kind of broader topic of how the, um, how it kind of ties in with music, how the visual element ties in with music. And in a modern world, mm. I personally believe that the visual and auditory experience are like so intrinsically linked now because like we've got you know the, the like the live shows are the biggest part of music yeah. I think for the industry as a whole because it's so much of it coming together in one thing so much money in it <laughs> exactly it's great yeah of course for the artists like you know even though we are seeing I suppose a decline in tour and we saw Animal Collective pulled out of a tour because they simply couldn't afford it and that was quite tough but I just kind of want to know your opinion on the, the linkage between the two um, yeah. because 
in a world, like I said, in a modern world where everything is so intrinsically linked. Mm. Well, I think, right, so I'm 36 now. So I grew up with the internet just about, do you know what I mean? I think I'm the first age group to grow up with the internet. Like I barely remember not having it at home. We got it quite early. Mm. And I think once that came together, um, it was you could no longer just have music on its own. We were now discovering music with our eyes as well as our ears in yeah. a in a really kind of in your living room situation. Yeah. You know, you know, before us, then you would you go to record stores, you put the earphones on, and you'd listen. You know, and you you listen before you buy or whatever you came across, or you'd you'd come across it in a magazine, and you had that disconnect then between the music and the image. But when you brought the internet into it, you know, it, it became really like photograph and song you know obviously we had MTV and music videos and things like that yeah, yeah. but you know that's a whole other stylized kind of session but what what it was like you're having this at your home and it was kind of like your self curated playlist that you were able to to bring together and you know your Bebo's and your MySpaces and stuff and how you were be becoming your own visual DJ almost and you yeah. were you were getting to grips of all these things together and I don't think we've ever had or we ever will have a true separation between image and music ever again in our life they just two of them are just so intertwined. Yeah, and I think like it's more prominent now than it's ever been. More so, I suppose, off the back of the two thousands, particularly with the MTV era, mm. um, you would see. You know, you talk about like the goths and the emos, and the punks, and all of this kind yeah. of stuff, and it goes way, way, way back. But now it's just like it's so all in one because it's all like available at our fingertips. It is. Well, yeah, that's a whole other thing as well. That's like, it's a tribal need to connect. Do you know, like, and I had that when I was a teenager as well. well. You know, I was, uh, I was, mad into placebo and the manic street preachers and I would go I go from the suburbs in from Marino into town every day on the one two three to go into Central Bank because I found my tribe of mm. little emo goth kids. We used I was a mini rocker and a trasher. Like we had really we had subgroups like and uh but that was the passion that was there. And you know some people are saying that that's lost these days because you know, the genres are even more subdivided to an nth degree that now like you can be really niche and you can find your tribe, but your tribe might live in Finland or might live in California or whatever, but you're still connected and it's, you're still as passionate as ever, but you don't have to, you don't almost get the real world experience of going in and hanging out with these people. So it's, that's kind of lost a little bit, but in the same way, those kids that are growing up with that huge expansive network of really niche music I have so much hope for that generation because mm. think about how musically informed they are so what they're going to create is just going to be mind blowing yeah it is like there's the obviously you know we've got our downsides to the streaming era in terms of like you know the artists yeah. share and that's spoken about extensively I don't think there's anything I could add to that conversation than anything else but like there is no denying that it is very much um, you know it's furthering the music that's being made because it's all so instant yeah, and it's and all so available and you like you could you take one right turn and you could end up somewhere you've never been before in like the darkest recesses of Spotify or Apple Music it. yeah. and it's incredible and people always like um like, I mean, so there's so much fusion happening, you know, yeah, different cross-genre yeah. fusions. And um, people always give out about, like, 
the algorithms. I love the algorithm. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love getting rec- like it's Spotify or or a streaming platforms wherever. It's not the only place I get music. It's you know it's not, I I yeah. I do go all elsewhere to get music to people that I trust and to you know to journalists and everything else. Of course, but yeah, yeah. I do love just getting a random like vomit of algorithm stuff <laughs> uh, from yeah. Spotify because you know we have made computers to suss us out to find out what we know and to to ease our lifestyle and boy does it do it so well I've come across some of my favourite records that have just been thrown at me by yeah. Spotify and likewise yeah some yeah. of my favourite like artists from the last I suppose five six years have probably yeah. been as a result of the algorithm. Yeah. The algorithm. I know, you know. The, the, the ominous algorithm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, like um, Orlando Weeks, like I probably, if I had read about Orlando Weeks first, I never would have, pro- I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm like anyone else. I am a bit judgmental. Like you, like. I think everyone has a, yeah. has a and if you know, I, by design you know, is. Yeah. I think if I read, oh, the lead singer of the Maccabees is doing this solo record, I'd be like, nah, not for me. Thanks very much. Because mm. I'm, you know, just, just what you do. But because it just came on on a playlist, I felt instantly in love and then went back that way. So it was a pure like audio moment where I was like, okay, I have no... I've 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 nothing to go on. I've nothing to hold against yeah. this artist. <laughs> yeah. Let's give it. So his record, the Gritter Man, and actually speaking of, of matching visuals to um to to music, um he's done it in a really exceptional way. So he his album, the Gritter Man, came out I think in 2018 or 2017, and. Um, it's a whole record, uh, songs, and then spliced between the songs is a narrative read by Paul Whitehouse. And uh, so it's this gorgeous spoken word piece peppered with songs and it tells an entire story of this man. But Orlando Weeks wrote the book and it, the album is based off the book that he wrote for the songs. So it's this beautiful big circle. Yeah. And he did all the illustrations to it as well. So not only do you have this gorgeous tactile beautiful book but then you have the spoken word performance and you have the songs and you have the story and it's all as part of one big puzzle which is like it's it's super amazing when that can happen and I'm sure that you've seen a lot of that in your time of those moments where you're just like the alchemy is just immediately there and it's paid off Um, what is is that your biggest example obviously that's a recent example but what's your biggest example of something like that that you've seen where everything just connected with you instantly. I feel like, I mean, artwork and imagery wise and everything, I've always been a fan of Radiohead, not just the music and the evolution of their style throughout their career, which somehow managed to match the evolution of my life because I was 14 when I saw the Kid A tour in the Mm. Big Top and I fell in love but then when I was looking at their artwork the Stanley Donwood artwork so when my visual brain started to come alive which happened after my kind of musical brain Mm. um, I kind of went back into their artwork and I was like oh holy these, these guys are they're so good on so many different levels that I can appreciate them all the way around. And I love it when that happens, when, when the musicians and the, and so the band together pair up with a visual artist who are almost like they're twins, you know what I mean? That Mm -hmm. they come from the same family or whatever. And they're just so, they just speak together. They're beautifully paired. And I think, when they all evolve at the same pace together and stick together, it's just, it works so well. So for me, that was always kind of like, um, that would have been, they would have been a big 
visual cue for me in a musical sense as well. But yeah, I think um, I kind of just grew up listening to music that had a style to it, a visual style to it. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, maybe, what age was I? When it was like nine, I was about 12 or 13 and I saw MTV and Pure Morning was mm. on television. The uh, Placebos is their first single off their second record, right? Um, so that came out and I was a preteen. I was watching it in my parents' living room and I was mesmerised by this person who was so androgynous I didn't know whether it was a man or a woman and I did not care because I was like what they're doing is cool and then I was calling them placebo for months because <laughs> no one around me reason yeah I, didn't, I was reading it like How I was a know, you child know? and I was like this and I remember going into Golden Disco and can I have a placebo record like and uh, but it was the kind of seeing them and hearing them together I'm not sure I would have had the same light strike in my life if I had just heard them without seeing them at mm. the same time you know yeah. so yeah for me the two of them always kind of lived together and then when I was when I was very very young like so I've synesthesia and that helps an awful lot in, that was a question yeah. I was actually going to get to yeah. I'm sorry I'm just interrupting no, your no, flow no 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 it's just when you talked about you know when you saw this and then all of a sudden it all just like made sense and it, it came yeah. together for you and it was so like it was the lightning strike like you said yeah. it, you know I, it did feel like that kind of yeah. thing yeah it, you know and I kind of it was only recently did I realise that not everybody hears colours, you know, mm -hmm. that different notes and different instruments and vocals all have different tones and different colours to them. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, it was only recently, but I think that came from my teenage years of going to Amsterdam and doing a load of psychedelic mushrooms <laughs> and opened up my brain at a really young age yeah. that, you know, allowed me to see more than I would ever be able to see if I didn't have those teenage yeah. experiences of falling in love with music and visuals at the same time and really allowing myself to sink into it before I get to, I got to, you know, obsessed with like, oh, is this a good photograph? I don't know. You know, you're judging things and you're, you're very cruel and you're harsh in your own work and then the rest of the world comes in and judges mm -hmm. you as well. So I think that the, the beauty for me was just being a teenager and going hell for leather and just going, okay, I need to find out who these androgynous bands are that wear makeup and high heels and yeah, and that started a long love affair with with glam rock bands and they are probably the most visual of the musicians that you'd find yeah, for that I think, era. I, I don't think that's hard to argue. I think mm. that's uh, pretty straightforward. Yeah. But um, what, I, I, I want to go back to you saying that you found your tribe because yeah. that to me, was a very important moment in, in my life, um, you know, and it, it kind of happened in a bit of a strange way. Um, listeners of the podcast are going to be absolutely fed up with me saying that I was in a band when I was young. Yeah. Um, but it was a weird one because uh, the, the front man of the band that we were in at the time, he was like one of my best mates for years and years and years. And like, we both kind of didn't really realise and then all of a sudden we ended up in this band together and it was yeah. kind of a very symbiotic thing that happened and, you know, we grew into the same lane and yeah. we have since obviously split off. But but the relationships that you form in your teenage years, like, they're so powerful, yeah. you know, and and when you're lucky enough that they do last forever. I mean, like, 
all there's loads of bands that are still going today. The most successful bands in the world yeah. formed relationships in their teens, like yeah. you two that we were just yeah. talking about. Like yeah. they're school lads, and I'm like, look, that's amazing. Yeah. But it's the same as well. The you know there's a tweet a few weeks ago was like, oh, is this record any good, or did I just hear it when I was 14? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did see that. Like, yeah, where yeah, you go really good. deep, you know? Yeah. I was buzzing over here listening to the Offspring's Americana. <laughs> like but that's not good, but yeah. I'm singing every word and I'm going back to an amazing time in my life where yeah. I was discovering other kids with, you know, dog collars and baggy chains and right. I was like, you're my people. And I was obsessed and I love them and I'm so grateful and I still see some of those kids that I hung around with in Central Bank are in bands now when we're in our 30s and 40s, should mm. I say, and like, you know, <laughs> like Mick Rowe who is in Faction yeah. and like manages James Vincent yeah. Nightmare. he was in a band that I was hanging around with when I was 14 and I was photographing his band you know there's loads of these people that I'm just like oh god yeah do you remember that time long 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 time ago like that we used to just be scaldy little teenagers yeah. and now look at us scaldy and- grown ups <laughs> <laughs> so was that the gateway do you think oh for sure yeah I mean when I when I was that pivotal age at 14 when I was discovering music and my tribe and hanging out in Central Bank. It was when I was hanging out in Central Bank did a guy called Robert Stevenson who owned a quote-unquote record label called Treasure Island Ireland Records came around to Central Bank and he was running these gigs called Blast and they were run for kids by kids mm-hmm. was the thing, right? So he'd come around and recruit us off the street going, here, do you want to hand out flyers? I'll give you a fiver. Do you want and because I was like one of the only kind of girls of the group at the time who, you know, he he picked me up and he was just like, you're going to go on stage and you're going to be the MC. And I'm like, cool, what's an MC? Do you know? And I was like, no idea what any yeah, yeah. of this is. So he'd put a microphone in my hand and he was like, right, go talk. And I had no clue what I was doing, but it was just that, you know, I wanted to be in the music industry. All right. Mm. I didn't know in what way I could be in the music industry because I can't play a note. Like I can't sing, I can't play. I don't really... I don't really want to play when I've gotten to this age now, but like back then as well, I was like, oh, it's not really, f-. I knew I needed to be in the music industry. I didn't know how. So I, he brought me up on stage and I started doing the MC and we tour around Ireland with all these little baby bands and it was great crack. And again, I was 14. Rob used to have to ring my dad every night to go, yeah, she's fine. She's here. Do you want to talk to her grand? And I'd be like, okay, thanks. Can I go the off license now? Like, <laughs> that was a disaster. And then it was when I was at these blast gigs I saw a photographer named Roger Woolman whose website at the time was like the Irish music photographer or something and I was like oh my god that's so cool and I was looking at him and I went up to him and I was only about 14, 15 and I was like kind of just like I'm going to do what you do one day and he turned around to me right like cold as ice which I love him for <laughs> and he just like well where's your fucking camera then and I was like oh And he was right, like, because I didn't have a camera. But I saw what he was doing and I wanted to do what he was doing. Mm. Now, like, in retrospect, he was like maybe a 20, 30-year-old lad on a Saturday afternoon shooting shitty bands. Like, it wasn't an amazing job. Mm. But as a 14-year-old, I was like, this is incredible. The glamour was, yeah, You know what I mean? I was like, that's cool. And like, but he was there, and this is something that I still try and live by. He was there 
Because what else was he going to be doing on a Saturday afternoon? Why not go out and practice and why not shoot the kids who are the next generation? And, you know, and that's, I still love going and photographing BIM gigs and everything because yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. these are our next generation or, you know, all these kind of kids, the, um, the, the Youth Music Awards, the Irish Youth Music Awards. Oh, yeah, the IMAs, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. fabulous, like, fabulous um, organisation. I love doing all that because, you know, like Roger was doing back then, it's just really good to keep your skills sharp and why not practice on the kids. But yeah, after that, uh, that very short conversation with him that I'm sure he has absolutely no, no recollection, recollection of, no. I am, yeah. um, and I've never seen him again since. <laughs> <laughs> I then... Uh, Picked up the camera and then I'd start introducing myself to all the bands who played these blast gigs. It's like, hi, I'm Ruth. I'm the MC and your photographer for the day. And I'd like line them all up against the wall downstairs in the Temple Bar Music Centre and take their terrible photographs. And yeah, I kind of, that was the, that was the instigator. That was when I realised I could put music and photography together Mm -hmm. and try and carve some kind of career out of it. Because back then and still to this day now, there's not really a full-time job in it, you know, not in Ireland. Yeah. You know, you do have to travel if you want to do it, you know, or you do, you'd have to travel or open up your your kind of business to other things like commercial and portraiture yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. You can't, if you're going to be a live music photographer, you have to travel. There's a lot of similarities there actually with, you know, the production world and the studio world. We're sitting here in my studio now at the mm. moment. And um, again, I have only just been in this full time now for about eight, nine months, Mm. um, but I've been doing it for six or seven years. So it's like a totally different world now, but you do come around to that pretty quickly after, you know, you don't have whatever that wage was that was coming in from your full time gig before. And you're like, okay, well, maybe diversifying is the way to go. So there's definitely a bit of a, you, you do, know, yeah, there is a give and a take. And, and a lot of it is um, you have to shake your pride. You oh, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, pride, <laughs> it's yeah. funny. It's like it's in the music industry in particularly, like in the back kind of the back channels of yeah. the music industry, you got to lose it. Yeah, you absolutely do. And photography is the same. You know, I always be like, oh, I'm never doing weddings. We just stop. Because people, you know, my dad, especially my dad, um, sold camera equipment when we were kids that was his job he was a tradesman you know, mm. go around selling camera equipment and uh, he would always be like oh it's great money in weddings great money you're going to do a few weddings and I'm like no I'm not doing weddings no I don't want to do weddings never and then when you know I kind of copped on like when I turned about 30 and I was still having the time of my life I was still shooting electric picnic and all the festivals I was still out gigging every night but in the back of my head I was like this is brilliant I can afford to live but not live very well. Yeah, I can't yeah. really live an adult life. Yeah. I'll never be able to afford a house. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's when I decided to like take on almost a second job. And I started to shoot the shit out of weddings. Mm. And it was all music industry weddings. So it'd be like, oh, this promoter's getting married and he wants a photographer and he'd come and ask me. You know, once word got around that I was doing weddings, I kind of got busy. So I sh- I had to, I had no choice but to shoot weddings almost every weekend for two years straight mm-hmm. to finally get a mortgage together for a gaff. But mm. that was, you know, that could have been a blow to my ego if I had one, but I didn't because I'd long since passed that. There's realities in life that you have to learn, especially when you live in a small country like our. Ireland. And 
I don't want to leave Ireland. I could, you know, everyone's like, oh, why don't you go to LA? There's plenty of work or Miami or New York or, you know, wherever. And I'm like, nah, but all my mates are here. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, it's like, it, it, it is that, it, it is kind of getting to that level again now in in the time that we're living in where, you know, it's oh, it's just, a mass exodus again. But it's also just been announced, doesn't it? Like that the average rent is something like two grand or something. Two, two, twenty two hundred. Oh, yeah, in Dublin, which is redonk. And, and it, a lot of people in the music industry wouldn't even come close to making Not that in the month. And, like, no. and you know, it, it's just, but it, it, like it's tragic. So you can understand why people are moving yeah. to London and LA and yeah. New York where the, and even Germany. Like oh, they love they Irish, gone. they love Irish people in Germany in terms yeah. of the music. But like, but the fact that these people can't afford to make rent is absolutely no, um, it's nothing to do with how hard they work because they no. work their arses off. Yeah. Like some of the people I know, like great assistants that I've had in my job and when I, when I work or whatever, are all musicians. I tend to hire musicians as assistants because it just flows better for me. But um, a lot of them have had to move. To, to London and to Berlin and um, yeah, Berlin's a big one at the moment, no so. reflection of their work ethic or their intelligence or anything at no. all it's just how poorly we value musicians and artists as a, as a society and also a reflection on how much the Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil government has fucked us so mm. sorry, am I allowed to swear no, because I'm swearing yeah. like a motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> keep but it coming yeah. <laughs> but yeah so I mean it's nothing to say that like you know, I'd love to have been an exclusively full-time music photographer just doing gigs every night. But for that to happen, those musicians would have to have been paid a fair wage in order to pay me. And that doesn't happen here. It's the, it swings around about yeah. it, like for, the, for the whole time. Like, uh, But on the flip side of that, and mm. I'm speaking purely from my perspective here, but since diversifying a little bit in what I do, like I'm not just doing productions. I'm not just like producing albums and like working on songs with artists from a production perspective I'm mixing records I'm hosting this podcast I'm yeah. working on other podcasts with other people and I'm doing a little bit of commercial work here and there and then just again like I'm cur- currently writing songs for like some of the comedians who are doing the you know the right. Bureau de Change thing and that's just a lot of fun. Yeah. So like... I mean, it is, it, it does keep your life interesting when you do exactly diversify. So yeah. I, I think that diversifying is like, I think there's merit to it as well. Um, you know what? Because you get bored. And there's, um, there's a, there's a lot of knowledge there that you wouldn't have gotten in other ways. You know, for, 100%. I used to, um, when people would be all, well, other photographers, we hate each other in this industry. It's terrible. And sometimes <laughs> they're so fucking snobby like so other photographers would be kind of music photographers one guy in particular was just like oh you're doing weddings and I was just like yeah I was like you couldn't do a wedding he's like bitch I was like you really couldn't like there's a lot to a wedding Mm. that I only learned by doing it you know Mm -hmm. so like the the getting ready in the morning when you're with the bride at 8am that's kind of like when you're on tour with someone and they're getting ready, you know, it's breakfast time and you, mm-hmm. so you're shooting that part of the day. And then there's a ceremony where you have to be ninja mode, like super quiet, whatever. And that's kind of like an acoustic set in a church, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of way. You really. So there's a lot to it. And then there's obviously the after party, which is just the blind rage of the crowd is drunk and you have to fight your way through. Like there's a lot of parallels to be drawn between both industries. So for me to shoot weddings, although it might have looked like a bit of a, a like a, a downgrade to my job or whatever but I learned so much doing it yeah. my technical skills went through the roof and I think 
you know, I, I, I went touring with Arcade Fire in 2018 because I was ready for it. And they're a really energetic, fast-paced band. Mm-hmm. There's nine members on stage and at any one point they could be on any stage because they have so many of them. So you're always working so hard and so sweaty. I wouldn't have been ready for them if I hadn't been trained in weddings and if I hadn't been doing the Galaxy gigs for three years. <laughs> <laughs> like, those two things together made me... Arcade Fire ready. <laughs> that's that's a, a very interesting way of like, you know, building yourself towards something. Yeah. And like, what I actually really liked is how you kind of drew the parallels between the touring and or like, you know, a big tour or and and a wedding day. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Hosier tour in particular. Sure. Because he's our homegrown boy. Ah, he's and lovely. I, and I just want to kind of, <laughs> obviously that was, the scale of that was massive. Yeah. Um, from your experience of being on the whole time, how was that for you having to be switched on almost for 24 hours in the day? Do you know what? Touring is absolutely lovely because you're getting paid to just do your job, right? Um, so when I'm here in Ireland and I'm hustling like a normal person, like I am right now, when I'm not on tour and I'm running my portrait studio, running the radio show, I'm doing all my own taxes and accounting, I'm doing my own marketing and PR, I'm here doing podcasts and stuff. So I have a really busy calendar with maybe like five or six different appointments each day that you have to adhere to. And then I'm doing lots of different types of editing and I'm dealing with maybe... In a week, I'd probably have a back and forth with maybe 20 clients that will all have 20 edit requests. So there's a lot of spinning plates. Mm -hmm. When you're on tour, that all goes away. Just one thing. It's just get up, photograph Andrew. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) so nice. Someone cooks your dinner, your breakfast, lunch and dinner for you. The catering is all done for you. Someone drives the bus. You never have to touch Google Maps ever again in your life. Um, Your laundry is done for you, right? You wake up in the morning, you go downstairs on the bus, you open the bus door and there's literally glow in the dark arrows that point to where the catering is so you're like you don't even have to really wake up before you go get breakfast since you're <laughs> yeah, love and that. then you know as long as I do my job and my job is to get the best photographs of that tour experience live backstage whatever it is mm-hmm. that they want as a client that's my job and my job is to to gain trust and to m- photograph them in a beautiful way mm-hmm. you know but in a, a beautiful way that is their personality you know, so I have to kind of get to know the artists or, you know, in this case, Hosier. And, you you know, I have to kind of like develop an understanding of what him and his management like um, in terms of style and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So you're, you're constantly learning while you're there and you're adapting and you're growing and you're developing your skills. So like for, it's kind of difficult in a way, but I love that. I love the challenge of just being solely focused on photography. Mm-hmm. So for me, there's no better place than being on tour. I'd trade everything and right right now just to go on tour again and be like, okay, Grant, I'm happy. I'm yeah. so happy. And you're pushing yourself every day because sometimes, you know, I think when I was out with them, we did like 50 shows or something and you have to photograph the show in a different way every day. Yeah. So the audience will change and they're brilliant. The audience will all look different and, you know, whatever. And then the venue changes, the space changes, which is, you know, that's a theatre style tour that we did. Arcade Fire was harder because that was an arena tour. So arenas don't look 
too dissimilar yeah. wherever you go. It's an arena. It looks yeah, like an scale arena. Scale is generally yeah. the same. Yeah. Whereas yeah. on Hosier, we were playing like concert halls, like beautiful Viennese concert halls, with like all this ornate decor and stuff. Or we played in this old circus in in Munich and old mad places. So you know that could lend itself. But so for me, I finally got to be an artist as a music photographer. That I had to. Be, I had to switch on the creative brain when I was going out there. I was no longer just relying on him and his beautiful band to to pose for the camera. I had to form art around them yeah. to make it look different every day. Of course. Yeah. Some days you've got, you're amazing and you're like, oh my God, I got this whopper shot and you can't wait to run backstage. And then other days you're like, that was crap. I, I just, I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. And that's actually something I really want to get stuck into is how, like... How, what, like, how do you know? You, you know? just know. See, that's it. Is it like an innate thing where it's just total good instinct? Oh, or is there like, yeah. cert, is there certain, th- certain things that are objective? Uh, although, yeah, you know what? I feel like I'll know a banger of a shot and I will process it and I'll put it out and it'll get two likes and I'll be like, oh, well, I liked it. <laughs> and then there's sometimes that the, the the world surprises you and you're like, really? You like that photograph? That yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay. So it's, it's, sometimes it's hit and miss. So it is really kind of subjective a lot of the time. But then there is classic bangers that you're like, that's just, that's huge. That mm. photograph is, you know. And I've got like... Um, you know, gallery ones, the ones that I will keep for an exhibition because I know they're big. So when I shoot one of those, like the, I shot one, um, it's probably my personal live photograph that I've ever taken. Um, and it's, is Electric Picnic, the Friday of 2019. I'd been on the road with Hosier for maybe like seven shows by that stage. And then we'd come back to Strad Valley to do that. So I was still kind of new to everything. I'd not shot him at a festival before or anything. So I was kind of nervous, but that was also my 13th or my 12th electric picnic. So I knew the grounds. Yeah. I was like, right, that's in my corner. I've got that. Yeah. And um, turf. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, right, I know this. And then... Oh, there was a lot going. He had Lisa Hannigan on stage. He had loads of guests and he did this big performance and there was fireworks and, and pyro and I was like, oh crap. So I was running and running and running, you know. <laughs> but before every show, when you're on tour, because uh, you when you're on tour, you have your coveted AAA pass. You can you, When you're with the band, that's it. You can go anywhere you want the whole mm-hmm. day. It's grand. There's no restrictions. Um, and so I'd always get into the venue uh, during the day as kind of early as I can my route, my tour routine is I'd land in the city and I'd find out where the galleries are and I'd go and cleanse my brain a bit with some galleries so I'd go to photo galleries or art galleries then I'd come back after lunch get into the venue and start scoping out vantage points of like so I'd go and I'd do the walk up to the boxes I'd go up to the upper circle I'd come back down around the backstage I'd get in behind the drum riser I'd go all the way side of stage I'd find my access points in and out mm-hmm. I'd see how big of a jump it is into the pit or do I have to go around the backstage la 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 so I'd find my route my route map for the whole venue whether it's an arena or theatre or whatever so I'd start putting that into motion and I'd start building shots in my brain so for Electric Picnic it was kind of similar enough I'd gotten there early um he, he Andrew had gotten a sound check so during that I was like okay this is going to work you can blah, really kind of do some yeah. real testers just to be like stage position yeah. and stuff like that and yeah, then of you course. get the set list and then I go through the set list before show and I start marking out if, ever, if you ever see my set lists um, they'll always have like wide 
close up um, and I'd mark my lenses to each one of them and I'd mark my position on each song as well. I'd be like, okay, wide balcony box stage left, da 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 da. And I'd scope it all out for each song because I'll know what lighting design is coming in this in the song or I'll know that there's a confetti drop for the the second encore and mm. I'm like okay grand blah 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 I know this and Electric Picnic was going to be no different except I messed up mm. <laughs> I messed up I was over in the sound tower right all the way back um, and I had climbed to the third uh, to the third level of the sound tower up the scaffold uh, where the follow spot would normally be and I kind of I crouch in there, prime position. I try to do my wide shots from there. It's normally mm. good. And then um, I mistimed the songs and I we were on a song and then on comes church. And I was just like, what? Church, we've got at least another one song till church comes on. I was like, oh crap. So I ran down the sound tower, lenses hanging off me and there's a big runway in the middle, like a, yeah. a barrier split in, yeah. in Electric Music. So I was running down that because I know that for church... Andrew likes to come into the crowd and he picks up people's pride flags and he really loves just getting into, you know, meeting people and stuff and singing with them. So mm. I was like, oh, I'm going to miss this. Oh, this is the vibe. Fuck, like. Mm. So I was running. <laughs> I was running down. And uh, you know those... Uh, yellow ramp thingies that cover the wires yeah. that run from the sound tower yeah. to the stage. Yeah. My foot got caught in one and I snotted myself all along them and I tore my knees all the way oh, up and I Jesus scratched my Christ. face. But like the 2,000 people surrounding me all collectively went, because <gasps> it looked bad. Yeah. And then <laughs> I see him coming down off the stage to get into the crowd and I was like, I can't cry. I just have to go pick myself up. It was running and I was testing the camera to see if I'd broken it. It was fine. Ran down. He'd hopped up up onto the barrier to do church I hopped up the other side of the barrier so I could see him and I just started blindly snapping and then I got when he it was all over in a few seconds he went back that was the end of the set and uh, I ran back and I was like I think I've got the best shot of my career and I was like I don't I, I, I. and I was backstage and I, I whipped up the laptop and I'd normally wait to get onto the bus to d- to edit, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but for this, I was just like, fuck it, I'm looking yeah. at it now. So I opened it up. I, I, I didn't realise, but I was bleeding all down my arms and I was just like, I don't care right now. Yeah. And I got this shot up and there it was and it was perfect. And I remember staring at it on the computer and everyone and all the crew come around and they were like, holy shit, that's good. And mm. they're like, the new girl's got a good shot. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and it was just, for me, it's, it's a really good shot because everyone's in it. Our tour manager's in it, Duchess. Our, our uh, uh, production manager, Duchess, and uh, tour manager, Sarah's in it, kind of watching over Andy. And then he's on this barrier, grabbing the hand of this young fella who's on shoulders with a pride flag, and he's screaming at him. On stage, the rest of the band look class. There's visuals of two lads kissing. Like, there's, there's a security guard who's singing, and there's all this stuff going on in the photograph. And it's just so busy and it's so every element of it is so important to the Hosier tour because it's all about I think that whole tour is all about the fan experience it's all about like Hosier's love for his fans and his fans absolute devotion to Hosier Mm. and that like you know we're a really like tight crew of family with Sarah and Duchess looking on like like little like mothers watching him kind of (laughs) going is he all right?" like you know what I mean so Mm. like for it all just came together and I think for me 
personally, I adore that photograph because it just symbolises a really good time in my life where I was like, I'm ready for this. Give it to me. Great. I fucked up, but I'm okay. (laughs) Isn't it wild though that like, uh, I think the story behind it obviously gives it so much more weight and like the whole kind of scenario that happened over the, you know, three and a half minutes or however long it took to get from top of of the sound tower the whole way up to the Mm. front. But um, like a moment in time that captures the essence of what is a 50 date Mm. tour. Like, yeah, I know. That's, from is, from is the that, whole tour, I got one photo. No, but <laughs> you know what I mean, though. It's just like it, it, these are things you can't you can't map out. You know, I I think they're just like it's total. It's like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the surreptitious nature of it is like I think what makes it so rewarding for us as people who are in the creative industry. Sometimes that thing that just happens. Yeah. That, the thing that, like you said, you were shooting blind. Yeah. Well, they do say, I mean, like people always say to me, it's like, oh, you're so lucky to do what you do. And I'm always like, you know, luck is doesn't exist in this world. Uh, luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Mm-hmm. And I was prepared as hell for that job because of my run with Arcade Fire and because of doing the weddings and doing mm-hmm. this job for 20 years I was I was prepared and then opportunity came to me because I presented myself as available do you know what I mean so I like it, it's all there but it's there for the taking for everybody you know I'm not I'm not a good photographer and I'd li- I do stress that an awful lot. Photography doesn't come naturally to me. There's some people, there's some kids that can go and pick up a camera and then boom, out pops this glorious photograph. That was never me. I'm like essentially a bad photographer who learned how to be good. But that was just through sheer determination and making so many mistakes, but taking hundreds or I'd say millions of photographs Mm -hmm. and that you know so it can if anybody wants to do it it's not unattainable there's no mystery to my job you can do it you just need to put the work in yeah and the work obviously came previous to those big tours like you said you know about the weddings and I suppose the more local stuff absolutely With, with the more with the more local stuff this is another thing I'd like to kind of speak about you know it's no secret that you're a huge supporter of the homegrown scene. I think you have to be, don't you? If you're part of it, yeah, like, you th- have to give it's it very back. Important, very yeah. important. Um, what like what importance did that play in the bridge between you know picking up the camera for the first time mm. and then getting to the stage where you were on these arena tours and these you know uh, concert hall tours? Yeah, well, like we have a very small music industry in Ireland. You know, it yeah. is tiny, and everybody knows each other and. It, so I think once you absolutely realise that, so for me growing up, I everything is word of mouth, right? So mm-hmm. I would have yeah. been shooting in like little makeshift gigs in like Clifton Court and tiny places that don't exist anymore, right? And like I was saying earlier, those people that I was shooting... 20 years ago when I was 14 and I just picked up a camera, they're now running record labels. So 
thankfully I wasn't an Uber bitch to them years ago. <laughs> or if I was, they're very forgiven. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So they hire me because they know, you know, you're on, you know each other. You, they know I'm determined and professional and polite. And they're all things that you need to be when you're a photographer, you know, unless you are getting that ego run of you want to be an arsehole. And you're like, okay, well, that's a whole different kettle of fish. But when you're in an industry so small, you have to give back to the community as much as you're taken from it. And for me, if I didn't try my hardest to promote the bands that I'm photographing and to give them a financial break when I when I get a financial break. So like I said, like I shoot corporates, I shoot big brands and I'll try and shoot one big brand every two months. And then I do shoots for bands for free. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't mind doing that. Absolutely, because I know how little support they get. But I also know that I really want to see them play in Wheelands. I want to see them play in the Olympia and I want to see them get, because I want to be there, you know? Yeah. So it, it's all cyclical. If I, if I support them this way, then they're going to hire me for their shows, you know. So why can't I take the big money from the alcohol the brand? Rabbit, yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah. then just like, and have the crack with the bands and do the job that I really want to do. Like, yeah. so it is, you know, without those bands on stage, I wouldn't have a job. So absolutely, I will do whatever I can to help them along the way, like the radio show. I don't get paid to do the radio show. It's a volunteer run thing on on community radio, but it's one of only a few platforms that young Irish musicians have to get their songs out to the public and mm-hmm. to come and play live sessions because there's not an awful lot of commercial radio stations that will take smaller Whelan's level bands on. So I kind of noticed this gap and I went, Do you know what? I love to talk. I love arts, culture and I absolutely adore young Irish music. So why don't I just put, it takes me about maybe 12 hours a week. Uh, I put that into the radio show and that's my contribution to a community that has supported me so well in my entire career. So why not do it like that? I think it's a great way to pay it forward and it's a great show. I think like the fact that they, you know, they've given you the platform to, again, be the person who is kind of pushing Irish music is great. It's mad that they've given me a whole radio show. <laughs> I was just no, like, but it, it's really? work, like it works and I, I think the, I, the I think I, it's needed. Yeah. I think Irish radio at the moment is caught up in a very competitive style of trying to vie for listeners and you know earn money off what they're doing it's a it's a, it's commercial radio yeah. so they don't necessarily you know if they have a choice between Dermot Kennedy or a person who's playing like a tiny small like you know playing in little wheelands or whatever you're like mm. well they're obviously they're going to go for Dermot Kennedy like so they're going to play for the you know the largest common denominator like they yeah. so you can't blame them in a way for choosing the big lads. And I'm saying lads because it is primarily fucking lads that they play like. And then there's a whole host of really talented Irish musicians that will never get played. So that's something that I pride myself on. I play exclusively Irish music and I platform people, musicians, artists, poets, whoever, who don't normally get played on other radio stations. And that's the genius of Dublin City FM is that we're not a commercial run radio station. We have all the freedom in the world. We're not playlisted. We don't owe our lives to sponsors or advertisers mm. or anything. We have the we have the FM station and we run with it and there's total freedom. I love that. I, like the ethos of that is 
certainly something I think that you know I'd like to see more of yeah um on the on the airwaves but it's great that you know you are someone who's kind of pushing that forward and like I said you know what you're doing with it I think is great it's like a reintroduction of live sessions I don't know what happened to them they they just seem they're to gone. fall off the face of the earth because you know that they're they're hard to organize and they take time they do like I'm learning this like I do a 2 hour radio show a week right mm mm-hmm. mhm and in that radio show, we give about 20 or 30 minutes to a, an Irish musician or band to do a live set, two or three songs. And nine times out of ten, they've never played a radio show before, but they're always so perfectly um, rehearsed. It's amazing. Then we also have two other interview segments. So yesterday I had um, Trish Lamb from the Gallery of Photography and she was just like, we never get invited on the radio. I'm like, why not? You run one of the biggest galleries in Ireland. It's contemporary photography. Everyone's interested. I, that blew my mind. And then we've got another author talking about children's books. I'm like, these are all really interesting things that I'd like to know. Yeah. And like loads of people want to hear about, but we're just not given the opportunity on fucking breakfast radio or whatever is playing on commercial radio and I'm like I don't want to hear so and some two lads talking about they what fucking fry up they had or whatever shite they talk I'm like <laughs> play some fucking tunes and talk about good stuff what, like it, there's a lot of parallels I'm drawing between like what you're doing with your show and what I'm doing with this podcast mm. because like it, 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 there's like a huge part of this that is in, entirely selfish for me to like be like I, like, and of but course I'm not saying that that's what you're good, doing that's good though you like, should be selfish because it means that you're doing something that you absolutely care about yeah. if you feel like you're being selfish by doing whatever you're doing fantastic yeah. nobody wants you to do something when it's forced because it'll sound forced exactly. and it'll be boring for you exactly so. and like it, it, the last thing I obviously want to do is that but I suppose the main thing is that like if I was looking for the information i wouldn't know where to find it yeah. and a lot of it, I'm sure like I think you've kind of alluded to it but a lot of the guests that I've had on here maybe haven't been asked the questions before about like you know tell me about what you do tell me about yeah. your life as someone who is in yeah. the Irish music industry and that to me is just such a shame Um, and I'm like again it's just a small thing that I'm doing that I hope is maybe you know, yeah, people. I'm sure people. I'm enjoying. The yeah, people that I'm I, enjoying the experience you know. and the opportunity to talk about what I do. Like, I'm grateful for what you're doing, just as much as musicians and whatever are grateful to be on my show. Like, yeah. why don't we platform? Like, I know why radio and stuff doesn't platform. Whatever, grand. I don't know what they're on about, but I miss Phantom FM. Like, I miss good radio stations that just were like, no, we are not going to fit into this box. We're going to go, you know, we're going to go the alternative route. And, you know, there was stations that were, had that intention when they set up. I remember when Nova came and they were making all these, like, wild kind of promises that they were going to be this, that and the other. And, you know, radio stations, I play this game now when I get into the car and I've got all the radio stations in Ireland um, <laughs> on the on the tuner, right? They're all just tuned in as yeah, they would yeah, be. Of course, yeah. um, we play this game, me and my boyfriend do, whereas we flick through the radio stations, okay? And we'll see how many times we can flick through in the drive before we get to a female singer. <laughs> 
And we've gone like oh, to Kildare before Jesus we get you. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my God, you're killing me. So like, that's not representation. I'm a woman working in the music industry. I would like to be represented by our mainstream media. Yeah. And we're just not like, we do have some amazing female DJs. Like I'll give, like yeah. absolutely, we, yeah, we yeah, do, yeah. we do. But 100%. I know, I know their hands are tied by playlists and everything. Mm. I think there's been, there's been a good shift lately uh, and it will start to trickle down but like yeah it's a it's 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 a tough industry now to be honest I've been in 20 years and I've seen a huge change in 20 years you know there was times when I started working at music festivals um back when I worked for like hot press when I was about 19 or 20 or whatever and um we'd be there in the photographer's pit for the main stage act and uh, there must have been around 30 or 40 photographers and I remember looking and going, there's only two women here and I'm one of them, what is going on, do you know? So it's changing a lot, like, um, I'd st- we still need to see more women on crew, more women, like more, you know, guitar techs and stagehands and everything else and yeah. it is changing a good bit but I'd love to see more um, female lampies and everything else but yeah I don't know uh, I think radio has a has a can have a huge influence on on society and I think it would be amazing if it was a uh, gender balance yeah but uh yeah and inclusive in general like yeah well, again like you've got people like you who are you know fighting the good corner I guess I think like they're com- like I've always just been one of those people that's like uh, I'm I don't um I don't know. I don't know where I get it from. But if I see something, I'm like, oh, why don't I just do it? And I just do it. Like I seem like there's a bit of that in me. I think yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think like no one's doing that. Why don't I do it? Okay. And now I have a radio show, and I'm like, oh wait, did I actually really mean to How do it? There's times where I'm like, is this something I actually? I'm um, like, I have uh, an amazing friend of mine who acts as my agent sometime, and and he's uh, he rang me shortly after the announcement came that I was having this brand new radio show on Dublin City FM, and he rang me and was just like, um, did we talk about this? I was like, no, actually, I don't think. He's like, is this just one of these things you just did? I was like, yeah. He's like, and he like he likes to, he likes me to think about things as like um, a career progression move okay. or a career builder, he calls yeah, it. So yeah. you take on certain jobs for certain things in your life. You do one of them as a passion project, one as a hobby, one to like, you know, one as a career builder. So yeah, like you, there might not be money in it, but it's a career builder. So he he's ringing me going, did we, did, did, did we talk about you having a radio show? I was like, no. I was like, can't really hurt though, can I? He's just like, oh, you're a disaster. I was like, okay. So he's just like, we're going to put that down. We're going to move this career builder thing out that you had planned. We're going to put this one in instead. We're going to do, I'm like, cool. I'm glad you can make it work because I'm just going to go do things that when it strikes my fancy and we'll see how far yeah. I get. And if it's going well, then it's fine. It is a lot of hard work though. I Yeah, I'd well believe it. Like even just, this podcast yeah, it's, yeah. It, there's a lot that goes into it a lot Absolutely. of research a lot of time and like I don't like you I'm sure that time just flies in because like you're being you're enjoying it no doubt you're being bombarded with music yeah I, I have no I, I can no always get more mind. though I do sit down I, I listen to music on I listen to music every day but I actively listen to music on Sundays and it's it's the time I set aside I do my show live on a Wednesday um, from 2 to 4 but on Sundays I sit down and I'll go through every email and every SoundCloud that's been sent to me and I will start making notes and then if I really really it goes to a playlist then uh, that I, I make myself and if I really really like it then I'll go and I'll research the band so I'll go backwards that way you know so I find the music first and then I go back into their press release 
or their bio or their Spotify bio or whatever. And then I'll go back and I'll go really, really deep into the band then. So, but before you know it, there's like six hours on Sunday is gone. Mm -hmm. And I'm just there with headphones on going, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Or sometimes I get really down if I've gone through maybe 40 songs and they're all like questionable. I'd be like, oh, Irish music is in trouble. We need help. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Listen, I, like the, the way I kind of look at it is you, like the bangers can't come out every week, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, but it, it's it, no doubt like still a fun exercise. Like even when demos come into my inbox, regardless, I love it because it's like that sneak preview of something new. And yeah. I I feel like I may, like I, I feel like I definitely am in a, in a very privileged position where I get to hear stuff before it's made. Yeah. Which is like very interesting because it's like total blueprint world and then there's maybe they're maybe coming to me because I can be the best to get it to get it to the finish point and maybe I'm hearing that immediately and it's like a weird thing that's happening and it's not really real but like it's it's, it's amazing Um, I love that though and isn't it nice then when something comes out like a year later or something I get this when I'm working on like album covers and stuff and then stuff yeah. stuff comes out and I'm just like I did that I was there when yeah. it was nothing and now it's here and I can finally tell you it's, and I'm so excited like I love that or like if it was a live studio or like a, a like I recently did um, shots for an an orchestra reimagining of these very famous songs that I'm not allowed to talk about yet That's fine. but like I'm just like you know they're finalising the album art at the moment and I know where things are going and I know and I'm just like I'm dying to tell everybody this <laughs> I cannot wait for it to come out like yeah. but I love see, exactly, I love seeing the bones of it and you love being part of it coming it, together there's a magic feeling to it and I think that kind of translates both into the world where like you know you're getting to see live shows and festivals mm. and even album artwork like all of this visual stuff you're getting to see it through a very specific lens but then paying that forward is a great experience mm. to some like even with the likes of obviously you know we've had Instagram now for years but for that to be immediately available to someone who is like a music fan or yeah. you know even the artists themselves being able to like put that out into the world for you yeah. to be able to stand behind that then it's just yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a real magic moment it is and you know what I absolutely adore Instagram for the immediacy immediacy of things and the connect that you have with the people who are viewing your work it's like having a little gallery in your pocket and that you get to exhibit every single day in yeah. this gallery and like I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined that um, just you just having that technology. So when I was in college, I I have a I did a ridiculous BA in photography, um, and I graduated in two thousand and eight. But like they were all so like I'm gonna just fucking snobby like do you know mm. what I mean? But art should be viewed in a certain way by a certain type of people at a certain time of day. And blah 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 blah. Whereas now I'm just like yeah, well it's on my phone, and twenty thousand people just looked at it now, so that's art. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. I love that it has taken it out of these somewhat elitist hands and now art is in everybody's pocket. Yeah. Double-edged sword though as well because now it's probably not as appreciated as much, you know, sometimes. Or there could be some, you know, Hosier fan over in Canada who gets to see pictures of Hosier and gets a new one every day and absolutely adores that. Yeah. The way I would have absolutely wet myself if I saw a picture of Brian Moko every day <laughs> like a brand new one do you know what I mean yeah, I love that like yeah yeah no it is it's amazing and to then to take it from the digital gallery 
yeah. and talk about the physical gallery. I want to talk about worship in the Crawford. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how I want to know how that came about. And again, I've done a bit of research on it, but I think Actually, I'd, ra- I'd, rather he- I'd rather hear you know, about it in your own words. So, and do you know how that came about? Instagram, right? So, <laughs> full circle, yeah, telling you. Full, I'm t- it's a great tool. Like, so worship um, is this huge installation in the Crawford Gallery, fabulous gallery down in Cork yeah. that I had shamefully never set foot in until they asked me to come down. And um, they have this big concrete room, big block, six metres by six metres cube in the middle of the room that's like a mini gallery inside the gallery, right? Mm-hmm. And when I went down for a site visit, it was like Rembrandt or something, these tiny little glorious sketches all on this little mini cube of a gallery. And Dawn, um, Dawn Williams is the curator down there and she has wild vision and she is the just the best woman I've ever met in my life. She just thinks outside every box possible and um, she brought me down to to look at the space with the notion of me having a music photography show that was it that's all she proposed it was to be part of a group show called Saturation which was younger contemporary photographers from Ireland and maybe a couple outside Ireland who work in different different styles and different formats and different subjects right so she saw my work she thought it was loud and abrasive and full of contrast and exciting and all this stuff and she was like I fucking love it I was like grand because so do I so she's <laughs> like I want you to just do something do whatever you want down in the Crawford I was walking around this gorgeous gallery and it's beautiful big walls and parquet flooring that creaks when you walk on it you know what I mean a really yeah. revered space feels like a proper gallery you know yeah. it's like walking around MR, or walking around a national gallery feels you, you feel the presence of the space around yeah, you there's a prestige to it yeah, yeah, yeah I love it like and then I saw this big brutalist cube room in the middle of the whole space and I was like I want that one <laughs> She was just like, you want the cube? I was like, I want the whole cube. And she's like, can you handle the cube? I was like, oh, wait and see what I can do. So that was it. Just seeing that, I was like, I'm going to, and I did, eight sides to a cube. I had to think about that for a second. (laughs) Eight eight images could go on this cube. Like I could, could have filled it with thousands of photographs, absolutely thousands of them. But I decided just to pick eight photographs from my back catalogue and blow them up to six metres tall and six metres wide, right? And vinyl wrap the entire. So as you walked around this cube, you got to see one giant photograph followed by another giant one and another giant one until you went into the cube and then there was four giant photographs in side. I picked photographs that showed the beautiful passion and interaction between the musician and the fan, right? And I called it worship because it is blind devotion and worship what happens when you're at a gig and you're one of the barrier fans, you know, when you're at the front and you're screaming your head off and you're putting your hands out and you've like there's tears streaming down your face and for that moment you swear to God that the person on stage is singing to you and you have spent all of your money to be there, you're buying all of the merch on the way out, this is your life, this is your church, this is, you've come together with your tribe, you've never felt more comfortable or at ease than you do right now with this barrier crushed against your ribs and you're you know every word and that like musician on stage is nearly crying back to you because they see the fucking adoration in your eyes so that's what worship was about I picked eight images that showed that feeling wrapped it around when you walked into the space Connor Biddle incredible lighting designer yep. had done 
this huge lighting rig inside that matched a soundscape programmed and made by Alma Kelleher. Alma Kelleher yeah. So Alma did this banging sound, right? So you walked in and there was crowd noise. And I was like, ah, rah! And there's all this like banging tune on top of it. We took sample vocals from May Kay and, El- and Elaine May show. And we, there's like a hint of Tom York in there. There's all like, but you can't hear it. All you can hear is just the rumble. So it's meant to feel like you're standing in that crowd, right? Mm. And then the lights come up and start darting around the place. And it brings the viewers focus from one wall to the next, to the next, to the next, to different parts of the image. And it's all about that. It's just about that that rush that you get. I wanted to recreate the fucking air of divilment that you get walking into a festival on a Friday night from wherever, from the campsite or walking into the tree arena when things are just about to fucking pop off. Mm. And you know that the night is going to fucking take a wild turn at some point and you're just like, I'm fucking here for it. Like, Mm. So that's what worship was. And that's what Dawn allowed me to create down there. And she just went in completely blind. I was like, I want to hire Connor Biddle and I want to hire Alma Kelleher and I want to come down here for two weeks in advance I want to build this motherfucking thing and I want to spend the majority of your whole budget for the year on this and she was just like I'm in (laughs) so we did and you know what it ran for six months and half of that six months we were in lockdown so Mm. but people could come to galleries but they couldn't go to gigs so what you were getting was all these diehard music fans that had been longing for that experience for so long were coming to the Crawford and fucking crying in the box they were like absolutely breaking down with emotion because they they couldn't articulate what it was they missed but they missed that that sense of just walking into a amazing gig yeah it's it, it, the idea of it was so grand for something that like yeah obviously the photos were massive but the cube itself is it's not huge do you know what I mean it's yeah. it's, it's so it's we filled it properly yeah like, it's very yeah. interesting like to be to kind of take something that you know could have 80,000 people yeah around you and then scale it down yeah. into something that's yeah, well, a room it, in a room, it was you know? supposed to be just the one person's experience of being in there. So in a way, it was intimate, but like on a, you know, that feeling you get when you've lost all your friends, but you don't care because you're <laughs> yeah. up the front, you yeah. know, you're up the front and there's a gig that you really want to see and you're just like, fuck it, I'll see them in an hour, like when this is done and you just go for it and you find yourself surrounded by like hundreds of people who are in the same boat and they're like, oh, we don't care about our friends right now. We're just here for the music. Mm. You know what I mean? And you you are, you're here for that experience. So yeah, it's that, yeah. Yeah, it's a very different world. Um, Yeah. When it came to the return to festivals then, just on the back of that, I did a lot of them this year with Nilo and yeah. his band so I spotted you a couple of times I was there yeah um, yeah uh, where did I see you? I saw you we, at Beyond the Pale Beyond the Pale definitely Beyond the Pale definitely Electric Picnic yeah potentially another love story were you at another love story oh god I was at the mall yeah. I did 12 this year I think I did 7 yeah it nearly broke me. I probably won't do 12 again next year. unless <laughs> Seven I'm... was a stretch now for me. Yeah. Yeah, I just, like, your experience as someone who, like, obviously was so entrenched in that world mm. before it, uh, you know, sadly left us for yeah. far too long. Mm. Um, what was the return, like, obviously the immediate return. I think Beyond the Pale was the first one of the summer. It was, yeah. So, like, to me, that felt incredible. 
the crowd were like the crowd felt wonderful. Yeah. The, the stages were absolutely gorgeous. The it, weather it, was amazing. Brilliantly done. It yeah. actually wasn't my first one though. Um, I had Primavera. Oh, okay. Very good. And that was a little bit of a turbulent start back. I heard about the chaos was, of that. Yeah. It was kind of chaotic, but it wasn't as chaotic as the Twitter at had fucking made it out to be. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people who were complaining, like, they're like, oh my God, the queues are atrocious. And I'm like, you're at home in Dublin. I know you're at home in Dublin. So what are you complaining about? Like, so it was a lot of that. But when I was there, it, it still was 90,000 people and a lot of walking. You know, there's no getting around that. There's a lot of walking, so I was just like, "Oh, I don't know now." So we we went together as a group of our our festival group, kind of a gig group, and we go to all the gigs together. There's always someone in that WhatsApp group that's going to go to a gig Mm -hmm. with you. So we went. There might have been like ten of us in an apartment, and we went for like. 10 days and we were like yeah we haven't done a festival in years oh, it's going to be amazing by like day 4 we were like I'm scared rattled yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. it was like it took ages to get back festival fit yeah. it really did not only just physically of like the amount of walking and for me the amount of carrying my gear because mm-hmm. my gear can weigh anything from like like 10 to 20 kilos depending on what gig I'm shooting so that's a lot for me to be yeah. carrying and doing 20,000 steps so there's a physical side, but then there's the also the, uh, the fucking emotional side of it that you're just like, I haven't been around these uh, this amount of people in so long. It was yeah, terrifying. Very overwhelming. Yeah. I did. I, there was a brief period there in lockdown when I gotten to go do gigs again that were being filmed. Of course, right? yes, the, and even like the pilot stuff as well. I, I know did the pilot stuff, yeah. yeah, and I did, um, yeah, a lot of that stuff where the small audience, the 200 capacity ones, and stuff. So I kind of was coming back to it slowly, but different. But I remember the first show back I did was a Soft Nights production um, out in Meath this mm-hmm. beautiful fo- like festival on the grounds of where the folk festival used to be and um, it was Paul Noonan who I have an absolute soft spot for because he's a gent of a man he got up and it was everyone's first experience back I think we might have just been so what we did lockdown one lasted till June 29th and then so this might have been September like so we're still really in the thick of it still 2020 but we were trying things out it was all very spaced out Paul got up I burst into tears I just the I was overcome by all that we had lost, like, mm. and I was bawling and bawling and bawling. I just couldn't stop myself crying. I barely took any photographs. I couldn't even fucking stand up halfway. Through. I was just like, he got off stage, he comes down, he was like, was that all right? And I have panda eyes on me from the mascara down my face. He's like, Jesus, what happened? He's like, oh, she's like, yeah, oh, she's so emotional. <laughs> <laughs> but I went through this phase of crying at every fucking gig I was doing because... I had been bottling it all up. Doing, I'd done the book and everything to lockdown to power through to go, right, it's fight or flight. I have to fight. I have to really just get through this the only way I know and that's through working. And then when things started coming back, I just, I have PTSD or something. Do you know what I mean? I just couldn't stop crying. So then by the time Primavera, Beyond the Pale, Body and Soul, blah, 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 and that came, I was like, I'm done with this. I'm done with grieving. I am ready to attack the shit out of festival season. And that's why I did 12 of them. That's why I said yes to every festival. I'd never worked body and soul before, but and they asked me loads. And they asked me again 
last year and I was just like yeah hell yeah 100% just sign me up I'll do everything mm-hmm. everything so festivals that I'd normally take a break for and then just enjoy as a punter I was like no now's my time to make up for it let's just do it like so and but like at least it's given you some informed decisions now for next year that you can like maybe go back to being that punter oh no I've already signed up to do the next one <laughs> <laughs> they called me like a week ago going you know the way you did that so well would you do it again I was like yeah so yeah there's definitely festivals that I'll never let go of um, yeah and then there's some that I think I have to let go of at some point. Yeah. I've done 14 electric picnics. Or could even be 15. No mean feet. Yeah, so I think like, and there's also a lot to be said for um, for older photographers moving aside to let the younger generation up. Is that like a kind of a, a thing you see a lot? And No, uh, you don't see it at all, which is why I need to start doing it. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I think it is something that like, I've gotten everything I need, like not, not electric picnic per se, but like, roles that I've held for a certain amount of years you know it is definitely time for me to kind of go I love doing this I benefit from doing this but also someone 10-15 years my junior would probably benefit a lot more from doing this so it's time I stand aside and let them get in and have a shot at it because it is such a small community there's only a certain amount of roles and a certain amount of really fun jobs like I'm talking about the glamorous ones that you you know the the ones that are good crack I'm like yeah let someone else have a shot at that like Yeah. yeah I've earned what I need to out of it, like. That's, but that's really nice as well to be like again. It just kind of speaks back into everything you're doing with you know the radio show and paying it all forward, mm. which is is a really nice. Well, we're all in the same community, do, you know? like you know what I mean. And it'd be yeah. nice if it was a decent sound community full of sounders, and it has to start with yourself, doesn't it? So yeah, and it, like look, it's it feels like a prerequisite at this point in in the industry. Gosh, it's like a you know I say there's no barriers to entry, but if there is any, it's you know. It's got to be sound, first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. You know. But you know what? There is a good few barriers to entry in the photography world, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've always... It's it's a lot harder to... It's a lot harder to get into the music industry if you don't have an access point. And you know what? It's still kind of... I hate to harp on about this, but I do look... Only yesterday I saw a prominent Irish musician who announced something and he he went to great effort to showcase his crew and he was like, here's all my wonderful crew. And you see like videos, a video of each of the crew member mm-hmm. and it must have been about 30 people. And I was like, there's not one woman on that. So there's that's a barrier, right? There's something going on there that that person or that person's team either doesn't want to hire women or doesn't want to look outside his own circles to find the women, you know? So yeah. when you're looking at stuff like that, like that's a barrier to entry there. Like, um, And then as well, the um, the Irish media, it can be quite clicky as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's certain... In the music industry too, I think sometimes, yeah. Yeah, there's certain like groups within it of, you know, whether the the writers or bloggers or whatever that will only hire people who they're very pally with, like. And you're just like, ah. Oh. So for a junior photographers trying to get, like, I put a call out. Um, it was actually at a, beyond the pale. Mm. I, I, it was the first Irish one back. And I remember kind of coming out of it. I had a great time at it. I, it was, you know, as you said, it's, it's a brilliant festival. Yeah, I don't know what it was about it for me, but it really just like hit the bullseye. Yeah, because it's a festival. 
uh, organised and designed by festival lovers. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. In terms of the music, the layout, everything, the art, fucking brilliant. But I did notice when I was there, I was like, oh, uh, I haven't, there's no, I haven't seen another female photographer. Now, it turns out there was maybe one or two somewhere um, but the majority of everyone that I saw in the pit all throughout the weekend were male and I kind of went ah here now I know there's tons of amazing female music photographers in Ireland so I was like I just put a tweet out I was like where were you what is stopping you from coming down and doing this because mm-hmm. the lads that were in the pit as well weren't getting paid for a lot of the blogs they, they shoot for they don't get paid for it like they just don't they're doing it as a hobby so it's not like I was kind of saying it's like is it money do you, you know are, do you only do the gigs that you get paid for because if that's the case fair balls to you yeah, yeah. but then surely like there might be one woman that does it as a hobby. So I just kind of wanted to find out more than anything what's going on. Like, why weren't you? And I said, here's my email address. If you don't feel comfortable talking on a public forum, send me an email. And the responses I got blew my mind. First of all, they didn't know how to get into the industry because their mates weren't in the industry. Right. And I was like, okay. Grant, that's whatever. They're like, uh, that's a kind of a different kind of barrier. If they, it's, it's our knowledge isn't being passed on, yeah. right? I find that like lads are very good at sharing information in a way that it's like to another lad to be sitting there going, "Oh, here I'll get you in. Just give, I'll send your man your number. It'd be grand, like whatever." Whereas they might not have that blasé, easygoing conversation with a woman sitting on the couch beside them, kind of thing. So there's a kind of a little a bit of a barrier there. But that's easily rectified mm-hmm. and that's just sharing of knowledge, which I can do. I can, you know, be that um, that conduit there. And then the same name kept coming up um, in about four or five of the responses I got saying, I've applied to be a photographer at this place numerous times and I never get a single response. And one of them was even just like, but my boyfriend, who was a photographer only because I gave him my old camera, applied and he got it, even though my work is way better than his. Mm. And I was like, oh, there's something happening here. So I think there is a bit of a murky underbelly because Ireland is so small, you can get away with this kind of stuff. You'd never really get away with that where in an industry where things are regulated, like in the UK you know, where if you're applying for a job in the BBC, it has to go to, you know, it goes through a vetting process and they have quotas and they have that. uh, And, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not nepotism. It's not anything. You're just getting in on the own merit of your own work. Where in Ireland, we're still like, uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that still hangs around. And that's something that my dad warned me about when I was about 14 and I wanted to be a photographer. He was like... He, he said to me, he's, I don't want you to be a photographer. I was like, why? <laughs> and he's like, because it's a boys club. None of his words. And I was just like, so? It doesn't have to be a boys club. I was really argumentative as a kid. And he was just like, well, listen, it's about who you know. And I was just like, I was so pig-headed. And I was like, no, well, my photos are going to be so good that it's not going to be about who you know. They can't ignore. I thought if I, if I got really, really good, they won't be able to ignore my work, right? And I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. It is about who you know. Networking is such a huge part of this racket. Like, and you know, for me, I started in Hot Press when I was 19 and I'm so grateful that I did because it opened up so many doors in my phone because I was like, I suddenly had the numbers for all these people Mm -hmm. and that's how things changed. So it meant I could, if, 
if one publication turned me down, I could go to someone else. I had options. But if you're one of these girls that are in my inbox at the moment that aren't getting the jobs that they feel that they're really qualified for and they're not and they feel like they're not getting them because of this barrier, I'm like, I don't know how to help you there. Like mm. and I think I don't know. I kind of I'd worry a little bit about the Irish music industry in that regard, that it still is so painfully clicky. You know, that's why I'm I'm very open on my Instagram uh, for all the knowledge in the world. Like I demystify absolutely everything because it shouldn't be shrouded in mystery. Like No, and like again, this is going back to the point of this podcast. That's the mm. whole idea is like, yeah. you know. People say to me, how do you get a press pass? And I literally will go to the MCD website. I'll go to the PR. We're all, you know, explicitly available information and I'll link to this form and I'll send it back to that person in DMs. I'm like, that's how you get a press pass. You just ask for one. It's not, it's not the holy grail. Like it's not complicated. I want to just tell everybody that it's not that hard to do. You're going, you're going to come across some people who won't hire you because you're not their mate. You don't know them, and they have their little tiny bubble all sewn up, and they're almost afraid of letting anyone else in, like and diversifying their own workforce. But if you keep trying, like I have been, and you just go for it, and you'll you'll find other ways in. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you, Sorry, that's a wee rant there no, for you. No, not at all. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's, a, it's an important point to bring up and, you know, I, don't, I certainly don't disagree, but do you see a change? Is, this, is, is, is there something moving at all right now? Like, or, you know, do you expect that it will? Um, I see a change in that um, there's different, there's new tribes, there's different cultures in yeah. Ireland now. And they each have their own, like, genres and language and styles of music and styles of communication. And we're seeing um, people collaborating with different groups of people that we've never seen before. Yeah. You know, Um, like... In my building is, uh, I have a residency in the Dean Art Studios and Slight Motif, they're like, uh, it's like, what do they describe themselves? Urban and hip hop yeah. magazine. And they're there. And through them, I'm like, I'm seeing so many more musicians, mm. you know, that are not adhering to the old school, clicky Irish music industry vibes. No, it's totally different Which now. I'm like, yeah. hell yeah. Which is great as well, because like, uh, you know, I felt like I was on like banging on that door mm. when I was in my band. Now, look, we weren't great, but, <laughs> but we'll, leave, we'll leave that. Just we're going to pop that to the side. But, but at the you same know, not, time... Not being a great band has not stopped a load of people doing well. Well, <laughs> you know, that I think was our point at the time. But any, regardless, like, it, you know, I feel like now because I experienced that and again, and it's like because you experienced this yourself, it's mm. like you don't want that to happen to yeah. people going going down the line and again like people who come into the studio I certainly don't want to feel like they can't yeah. be themselves around me or you know I don't want to kind of create a shroud of mystery if when and I will talk them through every single thing I'm doing yeah. at the studio so desk. you're teaching as well which but is it, brilliant. I, like what's the point in me keeping the knowledge to myself? Absolutely. I, like, I don't see any merit to doing that. Yeah. I don't think that's you know, I don't think that's a way to create a world where people can feel comfortable doing things themselves. And 
I could be putting myself out of a job by doing that by you know because realistically people can make records in their own bedroom now but at yeah. the same well, time like people can take their own selfies do you know what I mean like people yeah. can take their own photographs but me teaching them how to take better ones is not going to do me out of a job it's grand like you yeah. know now the, I, I am 100% exaggerating by, yeah, saying, by yeah. saying that I, there's but always yeah. going to be there's always going to be roles for people like yeah. me and people like you in this but world but as well like those people going forward will remember a kindness you know what I mean and then they'll come back to you so it's all it's all there like this yeah I, this this shrouding our whole industry in, in, in mystery and then keeping it to yourself it's gatekeeping and it's fucking ridiculous no, like you know there is absolutely no need to it and I wish I had this is the thing I do wish I, I, I love to have more time if I had maybe 30 hours in a day I could do this right but I'd love to do workshops for specifically for female photographers who want to work in the music industry I'd love to run workshops throughout the whole year to get a new generation who are professional and workforce ready and because there's something happens but you know they they all want to when they leave college they all want to be music photographers and then something happens between the age of like 24 and 30 where they drop off and I'm like that doesn't have to happen. And a lot mm. of them are like, oh, it just wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't, you know, was, and I'm like, I can teach you that. Yeah, I and can that's sad, teach you isn't that. it, when yeah. you hear things like that? Yeah, it's like, I can, I know personally I can teach a bunch of people how to do what I do, but it would take, it would be like a college course. It would take hours and I just don't have the funding nor the time, you know. Do you see it ever being a possibility? Absolutely, like maybe, like I'm having too much fun doing what I'm doing at the moment, but like, there will be a time when things change in my life where I'll, I want to be at home more or maybe I want more of a routine or maybe I want to move to the country or maybe I want to like move to a different country. But like I'd love to like, I have a plan for like my 40s and a plan for my 50s and this could be something that I could do in my 40s. I've just signed up to be a mentor for the Mind and Creative Minds yeah. program yeah, yeah. which is brilliant and I hope that I can even touch upon some of this in to those mentees but I'd love to run like a ruthless fucking boot camp of like this is how you do what That's I great, do. Great title yeah. <laughs> Ruthless fucking boot camp <laughs> like just pass along the knowledge because it's you know it's, it's not hard it's difficult to find you know information out there but I've done the donkey work like now come on I'll teach you how to do it mm-hmm. yeah. I love that I think it's it, it, again it, it, it just kind of feeds back into the whole kind of paying a forward persona that you know yeah. is very clear that you have mm. um, and speaking of which I want to just go back to the spotlight for a minute because mm. you have a Christmas spectacular coming <gasps> up the spotlight Christmas crackathon tell me all about it December 17th what you can tell me about yeah, it yeah 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 so it's in a it's in a pre-production bubble at the moment um, but It's going to be so exciting. So December 17th in the Dean Art Studios, we have this huge event space there, right, which we can put gigs on and and shows and all that kind of stuff. We're opening up the whole campus that weekend. Um, We're going to have, all the artists are going to sell stuff and I'm going to have a flea market in my... Saw that, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have a flea market. But in the event space, I'm having the Spotlight Christmas Crackathon, which will run during the day. So it's a Saturday. So it's the busiest Saturday before Christmas. And we're based kind of at the top of South William Street before you hit Stevens Green. So we're there, right in the middle of town, like a bit of stone's throw to Grogan's. So what I'm going to say is we're going to open (laughs) at like one o'clock. 
with a drag queen story time for kids. So if you have any nippers in your life, you can bring the kids in. Uh, start off with drag queen story time. Then we go into quick succession of two stages. One of them will have a band or a musician. When that's changing over, we'll go to B stage, which will have an author, a poet or a comedian. We'll flip between the two all day with pop-up uh, choirs and uh, a massive Christmas raffle with prizes from the National Gallery and on poster giving us like one for all vouchers. And I'm like, savage. Uh, yeah, loads of deadly prizes. And that's charity raffle is for My Lovely Horse Rescue and the Capuchin Day Centre food parcels. Mm-hmm. So there's the things... Um, and the Dean are giving us winter warmers, which I believe is mulled wine. Um, so all day, <laughs> and maybe like beers and wines and stuff. Yeah, so you yeah, can come course. in on a Saturday afternoon, get warm and toasty, listening to some banging music, some poetry or whatever, uh, browse the flea market, buy some art and get pissed on free booze. And it, this will be obviously available to listen on Christmas Day. Yeah, so we're recording everything because, yeah. you know, I do have to remember that I'm a radio show at some point. So I'm like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, but like, you know... F- you're allowed to have fun. I'm having the crack. Uh, yeah, so the crack is on. will be condensed into three hours of prime time Christmas Day radio broadcasting on Dublin City FM between 3 and 6 p.m. Now I have no idea how you're going to condense all of that into three hours, but... I've got interns. <laughs> I've got radio interns. Three amazing radio interns that are dying to get their hands on this content. So I'm like, absolutely crack on with that. Like. Yeah, no, I love that. It's such a, like, it's a lovely idea. And again, it's bringing everything kind of back to the idea of the live performance yeah. you know and in a in a space that is a gorgeous space I've been in, I've been in the Dean Art Studio yeah, once or twice it's very community it's focused very nice art, place artist led yeah. space you know and it's like it's a not for profit building the press up group have donated it to us artists so they pay for the rent Dublin City Council own the building uh, press up pay the rent and pay for the bills and the heating and everything and they you know they bought us a massive Christmas tree and turned on all the lights and all that and um, they, gi- they give it to us so there's 30 of us in there so it was like painters and sculptors embroidery artists Paul Noonan from Alex One is up there Yuli is there yeah, so yeah. we've got loads of like great like talented people in there and um, yeah very very grateful like it's a hub of madness so also it's really interesting if people just want to come in and have a nose at what's going on you know mm-hmm. so it'll be very community focused yeah yeah I love that loads um, of great musicians as well I can't really tell you anything about them yet because you know that's grand there's we some ke- good ones there keep though. some stuff shrouded in mystery like, because trust me, there'll sometimes be some... a little bit of mystery in yeah. the music industry is a bit of and crack, you know you what know? I'm not releasing the timetable either so you have to just come in and see who you see <laughs> you know it. what I mean so like you could come in saying oh, I just want to see him I just want to see him do that song and I'm like well you're going to have to sit through five or six amazing performances till you get to that you know yeah. what I mean but you'll love it so it's a really kind of just um, organic introduction to new arts and culture Yeah. and what's next then? Oh, I love that question because I'm always like I don't know uh, Yeah, like it, it is it, it's, it's incredibly open ended and yeah. it feels like it feels massively cliche but like no it's true it seems to be like a, it, you know it's it's like a, you've to I, me, I feel like you've like snowballed in the music industry so much that like you just, as you move, more stuff is happening. And like that's, I, I think yeah. it's true for a lot of people. Yeah, but yeah. I just and love you know to what? know what it's, is it's, coming now I, because of the way you've moved I from love visual to radio. I that yeah. question all the time because I... I am a meticulous planner and organiser. Like I live a Stalin-esque life because he was mad for fucking five year plans. But I do a six months and a year and a five year plan like, right? And yeah. um, 
they, I might not stick to them, but I, it's, I'm very goal. Nice to have them though. It's, yeah, I have to have something on paper that I'm like, this is what I'm working towards. Because otherwise, I'd just be gone. I'd be away with the fairies. I probably would still be living at Glastonbury covered in shit. Like, <laughs> so like, I need to be planning. Like, so. I bought a camper van last February and yeah. I absolutely adore it, but I adore the lifestyle that goes with it, right? Yeah. I love the freedom of being in it. So my sky in the pie or pie in the sky idea is to rent my wee little gaff out and move into the camper van full time and see if I can balance, do a work-life balance that will be more tipping the scales towards life rather than work. Okay. Um, because I really want to, I've been working my whole off my entire life and now I want to just do very little in terms of money you know the mm. big corporate jobs and just photograph what I want to photograph so I need to do I have another book in me a portraiture an Irish portraiture book that I'd like to tease out but I want to do that from the road okay. from being in the camper van so I'm going to go I'm going to hit the road and go and try and make another book but while doing the radio show as well so I don't know is the is the answer to that I had teased doing a, a master's because I think I wanted that disconnect from the corporate world as well but I think that's the that's the the main element of my life that I want to just I want to just be myself and see what comes next yeah I've done I've done music photography for 20 years now so I've done it you know when I, I I've done Glastonbury and for me that was the be all and end all and there's yeah, nothing there's better the holy grail yeah yeah there's absolutely you know I'm a huge Glastonbury fan I've been going since I was 16 so when I got to photograph the pyramid stage for the BBC I was like right that's the music photography done it was like a big line was drawn above my head going right or a tick a big massive tick in my life going yeah you tick that off now what's next so now I have to figure out what's what's after music photography and did it feel like it felt so clear then? Was that like oh, yeah. immediately yeah. afterwards? It's like my whole life. And I didn't know this because I never, ever would have dreamed even about doing the pyramid stage. I used to look at the photographers going in there thinking they are the greatest photographers in the world, shooting the greatest stage in the world. And I was like, I, can't, I couldn't even let myself dream of being one of them. So it was never on my list. So when I got the call to do the job and when I actually physically stood in front of that stage with my camera I went oh well that's it now it's done it's absolutely done and now I can move on so I don't know where and you know what it's kind of scary as well leaving music photography in in, in such a way because I don't because it's been a huge part of my life but I feel like um I feel like I'm coming to the end of it slowly I'll pull myself away from live music photography but I do feel like I, I, I've i I've done what I came to do yeah and that must be like incredibly freeing yeah as or well, incredibly like, terrifying <laughs> but, yeah well there's a, you know there's one or two ways of looking at it I guess but like it, yeah. it, you know it, neither of them are I suppose mutually I'm, exclusive they can, I remember I put up on at the end of uh, I had a bit of um What's the word? <laughs> Not a breakdown. I was really <laughs> sick. I had a bit of a breakdown at Electric Picnic this year yeah. where I got I got a virus that wasn't COVID. Oh God, I remember that. I was, and I had to leave. Because I met you and you were just like, I, I am like, not well. Yeah, I was not well. I had to leave. I was there on the Friday. I was yeah. super sick. So I had to leave. And is like, that's a huge thing. Like Electric Picnic is Ireland's biggest festival. So, and I was working as on the production crew. Yeah. I was, I was, like triple aid up the wazoo like it's yeah. my job to do all that plus it had been scaled up this year as well uh, yeah it was yeah. huge and I was 
burned out, completely burned out. My body was just kind of having adverse reaction to the camera. And I was like, I had to step aside. And I remember posting and I was just like, lads, I think this might be my last gig, my ma- like last music photography kind of gig, whatever. And I got a message from um, Caroline Downey, which is a uh, hosier and Lyra's mm. manager. And she was just like, what? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I don't think she's letting me leave. Okay, yeah. I'll stay for a little bit longer. But sometimes that's all you kind of need. You kind of need someone to just kind of go, the reality no, check. Yeah. you're good at this. Get the fuck back in there and do your job. And I was just like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, so I did. I took a couple of days off at that festival and I went back in for the Sunday night headliners, which that was... was our, that was when I saw you. It was when you just arrived I'd on Sunday. Back in, and yeah. even still, you were just like, no. I was still shook. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I wasn't yeah. drinking. I'd driven down. I wasn't going to stay in a town. I was yeah. going to drive straight home. I was literally just going to move in, do the headliners and kind of go home. And um, I did the headliners and I just did the Arctic Monkeys and I'd already been replaced down there. I'd already, you know, my job had already been filled because I was supposed to be gone off site sick. You know what I mean? So they, they were very good festival public. They were just like, go home, mind yourself. We're grand here. Like, you know. Great. So I kind of came back in just out of guilt uh, and just because I've, I've pure FOMO I was like I need to <laughs> so I got in for the Arctic Monkeys and, I, and because I had that little bit of a freedom then I knew that they were going to be covered in a real documentary style the way that the festival needs it I went completely arty with it and I start throwing up all these prisms and these lights and all that kind of stuff and that was my biggest post of that last year because the Arctic Monkeys fans got a hold of them like I got messages from like really famous people kind of going how did you do that and I was like I don't no. <laughs> but it just I was kinda, off that day, mate. So. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I was just you like, should see me when I'm on. Yeah, I had. To, it kind of shows that you do have to almost break yourself, forget about all your responsibilities, and come back to doing it for the reason that you want to do it is because you love it, and let yourself be artistic and go nuts, and then you end up creating something that you really love. Like, yeah. but it took me. It took me a long time to get there. And like, even though you you spoke about, you know, getting the cam- the camper van yeah. and having that, that new kind of lease on life from a totally different perspective, definitely I, w- kind of feeds in yeah. a cyclical manner into that frame yeah, of mind. Yeah, and right? that's, you know, I have to recognise that the camper van lifestyle is good for me because I have a tendency to overwork myself. So when I'm in the camper van, you literally cannot overwork yourself because you will run the battery dry. Like the physical camper van battery. If I have my laptop plugged in, churning away, running uh, heavy processing equipment like Lightroom and Photoshop, my solar panel battery will deplete within five hours. So I literally have to down tools and go for a walk and let the solar power re like charge up everything again. So I'm like, I like that. I like everything else dictating to me. Like, no, you have to stop working. Yeah. And I think that's what I... I the pandemic was a double-edged sword for many people, but I liked the fact that I was being told to sit down, you know? Yeah, there was a bit of that, I think, as well, that kind of came nicely for, for us. Um, this is a shared space, the studio space yeah. that we're in now. It's a shared space. And it gave us the perspective to, you know, when we were allowed to kind of move about outside of five kilometres yeah. again, we were like, fuck it, would we just rebuild? Yeah. So we did. We ripped, we ripped this room apart and rebuilt it. And, uh, and now you have a fantastic space. Now like, we have a lovely yeah. space. And it's just like, again, that perspective of, okay, maybe just like 
stop for a minute yeah and it gives you that like the blinkers then come off and yeah. it's the same you know it goes to, it, it's the same if you're like if I'm doing a mix and you know mm. I'm too way too close to it I've been working on it all day it's like just step, you away. Know, step away listen to it tomorrow yeah. or you know and again to have those self-imposed um I wouldn't say barricades but like yeah uh, the the like you're kind of putting limitations into what you could physically do yeah it kind of makes you a little bit more productive on the back end I think I think it's it's yeah it's productive but like productive with stuff that you wholeheartedly want to do of course you know yeah. refocuses your purpose in life and tells you like if I have it you know if I'm on if I only have five hours of juice on Lightroom, am I going to do the really boring stuff for the client or do I want to do some really fun stuff like from, and I'm just like, ah, oh, do the fun stuff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, you do, you do learn to be quite strategic with things. And yeah, I think that's what I'm looking forward to most now. It, you know, that that's, I'm trying to carry through what I learned in lockdown about slowing down, about refocusing my purpose and my energy and about doing portraiture and, and bits that really matter to me. You know, the book mattered to me because it was a, about people and it was about being a fair representation of Ireland and our people. And like that, that was so apparent to me. It was just like, OK, well, maybe I'm more than just a music photographer. Like, obviously, I love the music photography stuff as well, but I love this just as much. Mm -hmm. And I needed that break in the music from the forced break in the music for me to realise that actually it's not the be all and end all. There is other stuff I love just as much. Yeah. So let's take that out and not to get caught in the trap again of working for corporates and being on the like, I'm going to work and work and work and work and work. It's like, no, when I'm bored and at home like I was in lockdown, ideas do come out of that idleness, you know. Yeah. They, they are spawned from a place of utter boredom. So allowing myself to be bored, to be sitting in a camper van in the west of Ireland in the piss and rains <laughs> with just nothing to look at but like a candle. And I'm like, okay. Mm. <laughs> and I start thinking of what truly matters like, yeah. Yeah, and it, I suppose on the back of that and on the back of you kind of saying, you know, after the Glastonbury mm. uh, stint that you did most recently, you were like, that's it. Um, do yeah. you see yourself then obviously I think you still have very much got a full hold in the Irish music industry or mm. the music industry as a whole let's I mean let, I think yeah. let's kind of scale up here um, with the radio show do you see yourself moving away entirely from the music industry at some point or do you feel like that's, oh, I don't uh, think that's I, your home yeah you know and that, that's one of the things I had to ask myself when I was considering dropping music photography was that how would I have a link to all these fabulous people if I didn't do my job you know would I still get invited to the choice awards if I wasn't a music <laughs> photographer <laughs> that's all it comes down to I'm like, I just want an invite to the choice like yeah. um, so maybe that's my subconscious going well if you can do a radio show you'd still have an in mm -hmm. you know um, so yeah I never want to let go of the music community and the fabulous people that are in it not just the musicians but like the PRs the management yeah, yeah. the crew like the techs all these beautiful people that I absolutely adore like yeah. and you know and like I've just I've so much grow for a lot of people that I've missed 
during lockdown I miss them like you know stagehands that I'm just like ah oh, what's that fucking crack I haven't seen in two years <laughs> and it's a genuine love even yeah. though I might not see them from season to season I fucking love them and I don't want to let go of these people so yeah I don't think I'd ever be able to remove myself completely from the Irish music industry so if I can keep a toe in it by doing the radio show and maybe just putting a pin in the photography bit for a while and doing another type of photography doing a book doing a portrait or whatever grand but like I you know a life without music would be ridiculous like just it's not even worth it is it do you know what I mean and to be like a life without the Irish music community is zero crack Absolute yeah, zero crack. You know, I don't disagree. It's like, it, because I, I, what I think it is, is a combination of like the character of like, you know, the Irish people and the people who are mm. like living in Ireland and, yeah. you know, the culture yeah. um, alongside the creative world and mm. the way people's brains work and everyone's personalities around that, I think, yeah. kind of all marry into each other very nicely and it's like it makes it a pleasure to be around it makes it a pleasure to like do this show that or this podcast rather and I'm sure your radio show as well yeah I love it like and uh, yeah even just you know yourself when you're buzzing around backstage and everyone's just so fucking lovely (laughs) and you're just like yeah why would I ever want to leave this fair enough the errors are terrible the money is shite and I'm freezing (laughs) (laughs) tell us how you really feel yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're talking to me now you know at November is the end of festival season where I hate music but like, <laughs> come back to me in April I'll be like I'm doing 17 festivals uh, no I, I don't think I'll, I'll ever I hopefully will never leave the music community yeah yeah, well, that's good that's like certainly something that I was yeah. a little do, bit worried about no, when you mentioned like, that do you remember when I said it. I have mad plans for like when I'm 40 and when I'm 50 I want to own a venue and a bar when I'm mm. 50 that's that plan you know so I'm always even like there'll be something happening yeah you know like most women my age see themselves with like kids and grandkids and they're like oh I'm going to live to you know move. I'm like no I want to own the button factory do you know <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to do I want I want to be involved I want to give back to the community for my entire life a community that is so good to me yeah and I think you've very much put your stamp in mm. it in Ireland and I think that's a, a nice place to finish off so yeah. uh, before we wrap up where can people find out more about you I am ruthless imagery on all accounts that's it you can put a dot com you can put an ass you can do whatever you want if you nice just, and easy yeah ruthless imagery that's me Ruth, thanks, so, thanks much. so much for joining me I really me. appreciate this I could talk to you for hours we should go to the pub <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't two o'clock in the afternoon yeah, but I suppose look, the listeners not going to know time is a construct <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much I really appreciate the time that you, and the research that you've done some great questions so thank I'm you so much I'm definitely leaving that in to make my ego a yes. little bit bigger stroke that ego that's <laughs> what I'm here for but thank you so much you're very welcome thank Cheers. you And once again, just to highlight the Spotlight Christmas Crackathon um, being organised by Roots, it will take place on the 17th of December in the Dean Art Studios the week before Christmas. Um, it's going to be a great day with lots of live performances, as you mentioned, some prizes, um, raffle for charity and a flea market as well. Um, all the bells and whistles, I mean, a great way to a great way to spend some, some time the weekend before Christmas um, if you have no other plans and even if you do have plans I would suggest cancelling them immediately and putting this in your diary because I have no doubt that it's going to be a great success Uh, once again that's going to be taking place on the 17th of December in the Dean Art Studio 
um, just off South William Street. So um, get yourself into that on the 17th. Um, if you want to catch Ruth on the airwaves, she's on Dublin City FM every Wednesday at 2pm uh, for her show Spotlight. And as mentioned, you can find her everywhere at Ruthless Imagery, all online and ruthlessimagery.com. Before I wrap up, I just want to once again say thank you very much to um, all the listeners of the podcasts and to everyone who's tuned in to the episodes throughout the year. It's just, this is such a passion project of mine. I mentioned, um, I've mentioned quite openly that there is a part of this exercise that is incredibly selfish because it's something I've wanted to do for a long time because I like I love getting the info myself. I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a nerd like that in terms of just really loving learning about new things. Um, even like certain different branches and things that I'm interested in. Um, and the music industry, obviously, you know, is my livelihood. So to learn about different parts of the music industry is, is an incredible privilege and is, uh, you know, the information comes so openly from my guests. And uh, yeah, I just really want to thank them too. It's been such a pleasure getting to like do all this and do the research and uh, sit down and have the conversations. And hopefully it's been good to listen to and if you like what we do here at No Encore across the board whether it be before the Encore No Encore or No Popcorn um, just tell a friend about the show um, but if you would like to go the extra mile we do have a Patreon it's patreon.com slash No Encore if you'd like to support the show in monetary form please don't feel under any pressure to do so but if you love what we do we do massively appreciate what you are enabling us to do which is um, keep the lights on um, you know keep our equipment up to date and try and provide um, a better experience for you as a listener so thank you very very much um, for all of your help any of our patrons yeah we really just appreciate everything you're doing for the show and yeah once again thank you very much for tuning in to Before the Encore in 2022 I'll be back in 2023 refueled and ready to go and I'm very excited about it so until then I've been Sonic Architect Adam this has been Before the Encore and there'll be an encore in the new year. Take care. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.